to record the spoken word introduction to the podcast. Still? Yeah. It's only a few lines, but I'm having anxiety about it. Do you know what it is? Yeah. Good, so you don't have to write it. It goes... Oh, yeah, let me hear it. And the podcast begins with a song of rebellion. That's it. And the podcast begins with a song of rebellion. It's going off with rap critic and muse. This week on Going Off, we are joined once again by the super talented, always a pleasure to have on, Left at London. Say hello to the fine folks. I will not. Okay, that's fine too. How <laughs> it, oh, <all> right. <laughs> it has been so, so long. And I feel like so, so much has happened. Um, how's everything going with you? And you got, well, I know you've got stuff going on, but maybe yeah. the folks <laughs> might not. Fill in the blanks if you don't mind. Just, just, uh, catch people up on, on, on what you've been, what you've been up to. So in terms of life stuff, uh, I wanted to mention very early off the bat that I got my, Second shot of Moderna yesterday, which as of recording, uh, like today is, uh, April 21st. So I got my, uh, I got, I'm fully vaccinated as of 420, which is just so hey. great. It's just so great. Problem is I'm now feeling the aches and pains and flu-like symptoms that like the, the second shot is supposed to give you. And so I just feel like absolute shit because I, because we planned doing this, like when I, when my original second shot was supposed to be on a different date. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be healed up by, uh, by the time that I do this uh, fucking interview. And I have not been. So that's if I seem low energy or I cough <coughs> like that, then that's the reason why. And then as far as my music stuff, I just released a single with, uh, Holiday Kiss, uh, under the band name Wow Okay, and the song is called Holy Moment. We also had a remix come out of uh, Glass Beach's song Forever, which is on their latest remix album. And then I have an album coming out in June, uh, my debut album. It's not finished yet. I am throwing it together, and honestly, it's kind of... It's, it it kind of slaps, like, not gonna lie. For a record that's being thrown together so haphazardly, it's genuinely like, whoa, this is, like, some of the best stuff I've written somehow. But I guess I work on it well under pressure, uh, usually. If you want to join the hashtag, absolutely hard to memorize, T-I-A-P-F-Y-H, uh, people can guess what it means. Uh, there are two things that it means. I like the... Uh, submissions from the audience aspect that I'm super curious about want to know how how smoothly or rocky that went the people can send in samples or something yeah. that they so people can send up. in samples uh if they want to on leftatlondoncom slash form no guarantees that i'll use them i have already used uh like a good amount of them but only like half the tracks that i made actually utilize them <laughs> so it's like like i am i am going for concept first and gimmick second but the samples that i've utilized so far I'm actually, like, super proud of, like, how I... Like, I'm just going to spoil one of the tracks for you. Uh, it's, uh, somebody sent in this, like, guitar... Like, this clip of a guitar being played. Just, like, one E string note. Just being strummed over and over. And I was like... I was like, cool, this is this is actually perfect. So what I did was I quantized it. I quantized it so it was, like, on the beat that I was uh, wanting to 
like like at the tempo at my tempo and then i attached it to a vocoder and i just started playing chords over it and it sounds like this like it almost sounds like a like a chinese plucked instrument like but like a synth but synthy it's really interesting and uh i i, I was really happy like doing that and then there's like many more samples like just throughout that there was there was one song in which um somebody was like 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 yo this sounds like this check it out and then like did the song like did the sound and um instead of sampling the sound itself i sampled them saying check it out <laughs> oh so i don't know how they're going to take that but i i personally think it it uh it improved the track tenfold it should be interesting for people who did send in stuff to maybe not even recognize what they sent in by the end of it that it's like flipped and chopped and screwed so much that it becomes something completely different. Something I did see uh, you had posted that kind of started making me think, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but that someone sent in uh, Temporary Secretary uh, by Paul McCartney. Okay, so that the backstory behind that is that I made that beat like a year ago. And oh! I saw this TikTok that referenced Temporary Secretary. Yeah. And I was like, what if I, like, had people guess, like, the sample on this oh. beat that I made? And, like, whoever guesses the beat can hear, like, some full song from the album. And uh, somebody got it after a day uh, of, like, like giving hints and stuff. Uh, and, like, because it's, like, really slowed down and, like, it's, like, mm. auto-tuned. And it's, like, every second note as opposed to, because, cause, like, oh. the snares were really, like, like hard-hitting. <laughs> That's pretty much, like, how I sampled that for that beat. Obviously, I can't use that because I can't get the fucking rights to Temporary Secretary, no matter how hard I try, but... Oh. <laughs> it was just a cool little beat that I made because I wanted to test if I could, like, try it out. Yeah, I think I made that, like, summer or fall of last year. It just got me thinking about how, yeah, like, it's kind of become a TikTok meme. And it's also become a meme that, like, the Beatles is, like, whack and no one listens to the Beatles anymore. So it got me wondering... Is Temporary Secretary... Bigger than the Beatles? <laughs> Is it gonna be what this generation knows Paul McCartney for more than, like, yesterday? I would argue that, like, the Venn diagram of people who hate the Beatles and people who ironically and unironically enjoy... Um, temporary secretary is like a pretty fucking like intertwined Venn diagram. <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's just a circle. The Simpsons have been memed to death, like with steamed hams and all that yeah. shit. That that's what the fucking Gen Z and whatnot are gonna know that's the Simpsons the modern for perception. Yeah. more than the actual <laughs> episodes. It's like, the, okay. that show. I can't remember when it started, but it, it's that show from which we get all those memes. <laughs> you know, it's like that. It's a steamed ham show. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it started in the before for a time, and then it kept going on, and everyone kept complaining that it kept happening, even though we don't really know when it started. <laughs> we couldn't stop it. It couldn't be stopped. <laughs> Didn't you hear the song? You ever stop the Simpsons? We have got an album that we're going to discuss um, this week on the show. It is a listener-requested album. It is requested by... Let me double-check. Hold on here. I've got it. Don't tell me. I've got it. It's Biangelo. Of course. Thanks, Biangelo, for requesting When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? by Billie Eilish from, oh gosh, was it 2019? 2019, 2018? yeah. 2019. Oh, man. Yeah, it feels like 
Feels so long ago, doesn't it? Right, because <laughs> like, he already had like another thing in between that time. So this blown feels a up. Bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, over two years ago, it was on, released on uh, March 29th, I think. I just like remember hearing Bury a Friend for the first time and being like, "Damn, they really like, like, made a white girl like, like sing over like a black skinhead type beat, and it like <laughs> didn't, and it like didn't like seem bad." I thought you were just gonna say they made a white girl cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hold, holds up a vial of science juice <laughs> we, we finally did it we made it we've concocted, we've concocted the only cool white girl a fucking 17 year old white girl and i know we've I, I don't think we're gonna stop referencing this album uh i think it was two weeks ago at this point on the show we reviewed an album by uh nicole dollenganger yes who, yes who at the time, um, or predate the album actually, was one of the folks known from like Tumblr and almost like, l- like how, you know, you know, RC back in the day when people would be like on MySpace. It's kind of like that. The reason I bring it up is because there is, uh, at least a little bit of a shared aesthetic of the sweet singing close to the microphone, singing about sad stuff over. And this is, I guess, where they do split apart, where this album is, in my opinion anyway, uh, way more interesting when it comes to the production than than the Cole Dollenganger album. It offers more, like, variety in that, and I think think in where Nicole is a bit samey, a bit one-note with the delivery, Billy does kind of mix it up a bit more than that, offers a bit more of a personality. Billy has an incredible amount of dynamics. For like somebody that like doesn't like really like raise her voice at all mm-hmm. in like in like this album, like if there's any like one song that I feel like gives the perfect amount of like like introduction to Billie Eilish as an artist and like what her style is like, uh, her and Phineas's production style, I feel like Zanny is the one, even though it's not my favorite song of hers. And the reason why is because so first of all, it starts off really jazzy. Like there's like a there's like a fucking <laughs> yeah. like like it's very swung, it's very slow, and there's like even like the brushed snare. That was like the moment that I was like, oh shit, okay, yeah, I get Billie Eilish now. And then all of a sudden, the chorus kicks in where she's saying like, I'm in the secondhand smoke, still drinking canned coke, and she has like this fucking like, I don't know whose idea it was to include like a Willie Cooks ass 808 on that section, <laughs> but like it's so fucking good like like the clipping and then like panning it like when she says i don't need a zanny to feel better like it's the the subtle like 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 there are some moments of the like album that's are really really subtle and then there are moments that are in your face but even the in your face moments seem like there are subtleties within them this is the uh first pop album like the first like charting pop album that i've heard that genuinely sounded like like, first of all, genuinely sounded like it wasn't made in a studio. And number two, sounded kind of, like, polished regardless. Like, it wasn't trying to, like, it wasn't trying to come off as, um... It's not gimmicky. It really is doing these interesting dynamics and playing with them. It, it, it's interesting that you brought up uh, uh, Nicole down here. I was thinking more of Lord. Uh, That's it. When I was listening to it. Yeah. And, but then I, I had that moment of like, oh my God, she was like years before her, wasn't she? Because that was like 2015. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that was like way back. <laughs> 
I'd see more connection between Lord and Nicole Dolleganger than I would Billie Eilish in either of those two. Honestly, the two comparisons that I was like coming up with while like re-listening to this album yesterday and this morning, the uh, the first one was like mostly because of Zanny because it's the like what the second or third track, and I was literally thinking like this reminds me of like. <laughs> Like this sounds kind of weird, but she sings everything like uh, like Marilyn Manson singing "Happy Birthday," you know, where it's like not like a whispering sort of thing. Like it's very passionate, but like over the top passionate. There's like a sensuality to it, but not like a sexiness to it because uh, she's just like like laughs and giggles and like like does like like mimics the guitar that's playing and like just like throughout the entire album, she has a lot of playfulness. And I was trying to figure out like like what it reminded me of because like. Like, sultry is not the word, but it's the closest word that I can think of. But the best comparison that I can make, like, in terms of her voice was Billie Eilish sings, like, Envy from Scott Pilgrim Speaks. Been a while. Yeah. A year, I think. Approximately. How are you? I'm not doing so good right now. Oh, that's too bad. Still breaking hearts. And you know what I really enjoy about that? It's because, you know, I, I believe uh, a couple of years ago we were having, you know, this general conversation about loudness wars, right? Where pop songs feel like they need to be the loudest and the biggest sense so that you notice this one. And what's interesting about her is that she is taking it back to, it's not that she's just being quiet all the time. It's just, it's playing a lot more with dynamics that you can play with that we kind of just abandoned because the studio sound is to just blare everything loud. So it does seem to throw you off that someone who's doing the studio recorded sound is still using these different dynamics that are a lot more intimate feeling instead of just big like pop sounds uh, like we're used to them just sounding now, you know? I think the interesting thing is that this is like one of the only pop albums that I can think of that's like, first of all, it's produced like a hip hop album, like a modern hip hop yeah. album. <laughs> with the samples and doing all this fun shit and, and lots of very informal sounding tracks where it's like, no, this doesn't sound like a, a hit song, but the fact that it's using this very silly, oh, I'm talking at the beginning and we're going to do the silly sample at the end. Like, well, that's hip hop, but, but fuck it, that's going to be on the charts now because this pop song says again, you know? So I actually kind of want to take it like on like a very analytical standpoint for bad guys just specific not like the song itself but the way the song is like like the way the song like um fills up like the energy that it's taking without like being very loud and the reason why is because so first of all the entire like intro is just bass and kick it's just bass and kick and when there's finally when there's finally drums it's just snaps it's just snaps and then like like they do like this like really quiet like pitched down hi-hat or something like that what is really interesting about this album is that they take up more space in the low end than they do anything else like most of this album is like if you if you like looked at the eq waveforms of any of these songs i doubt that you would really find that much mids or like highs because even Billie eilish's voice like like because it is so close up like and because it's so like unpronounced, but still like very dynamic, they kind of like turn up her mid lows in a way like the mixing on this, by the way, is incredible. I never like I really respect the mixing on this specifically because um, because it does have that low end feel. But like if I'm playing it in my car, it doesn't like. OK, so there's a section in Life of Pablo that I bring up uh, all the time because it annoys the fuck out of me from a mixing production, like from a production standpoint. Uh, it's the outro of FML which is by itself, compositionally and arrangement-wise, a totally fine outro. But then, like, uh, like right after, like, they don't want to see me love you. And then, um, like, like that whole section, then it goes to, like, like the background singer, like, that sampled, 
like saying like, ooh, life's a feeling or something like that. But the note they choose is like, ooh. But because of the way that they pitched it up and mixed it, there is this like, there's this one specific frequency that blows out the fucking bass in my car. And I hate it. (laughs) It's literally just that one song. And then like, I'm just going to go on a small little rant about Life of Pablo's mixing because I love that album. But (laughs) that moment, plus the fact that like, like you hear Frank's track, which is like this like heavily clipping, like super midi, like not like midi, but like mid-ish um, mm. like mix. And then it immediately goes into Silver Surfer Interlude, which is mostly highs. Like it's mostly like the highest frequency. And it's just like, <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? Like I hear that louder. I hear that louder than like Max B actually talking and it bothers the shit out of me. So like, uh. like having a mix in like any any song that like has so much low end or fuck it a fucking album that like has this much low end is so impressive to me even like the high ends are really muted like the cutoff is like turned down a little bit so it's like like ilo milo that's probably like like first of all her vocals are like the foreman is pitched up and uh like the the main instrument is like a ooh, 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 ooh. Mm. you know you know what i'm talking mm. about yeah, yes. yeah, it kind of sounds like uh, it vaguely reminded me of a, was that, da, 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 da. no, not that one. Uh, ah, fuck, the way you sang it reminded me of it. But it I think I got head. it too. <laughs> I forgot it yeah. was. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I have no idea what y'all are talking about. <laughs> well, first, my brain is now going to Cry Baby by DeBay. Oh. <laughs> There's another song. Do it's you? like, yes. That's Melanie Martinez. Oh, is that what that is? I doubt you've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as I said it, I was like, I don't think you've heard that one. Anyway. (laughs) Wait, what song is that? Wait, what song is it? Oh, fuck. God, what song was that? It was like, I think, is that Soap? Gotta clean your No, I might not have heard that one. I don't know, actually. It's been a minute since I listened to that album. For 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 good reason, for good reason. But anyways. Talking about things that are annoying or annoy you personally. RC, I don't think you're going to be surprised by this. Um, there's there's one very glaring uh, aspect of this album, if you're me, and it's a reason it's taken me, no joke, as much as I really do love some songs off this album, and with um, Bad Guy, the year it came out, was in my top five favorite pop songs that year, and still, even two years later, I've not grown tired of it yet. It's still one of my favorites. I'll still go back to it. Wait, they hold on a really second. Do. Sorry, I I just noticed that she's she doesn't say so she doesn't. I always thought it was like like so you're a tough guy, like a really rough guy, just can't get enough guy. Mm. I thought she said just always so buff guy, and I was like that's really awkward. But I just I just read the lyrics. <laughs> oh, chest always chest so always so puffed guy. That makes yeah. so much more sense because that was gonna be like <laughs> that was gonna be a genuine like huge like critique that i have of this song but uh, you're about to be uh, like zero never mind billy my mistake (laughs) (laughs) but yes continue with what you were saying sorry for interrupting so it it's a little pet peeve of mine rc has heard me complain about it numerous Uh, times this album puts it to you straight up front the very first track which is a bunch of exclamation points is the intro uh, audio to the music video of Bad Guy, where you don't even see them. It's before Billy bursts through that, like, paper wall, uh, yeah. where, where where she takes out her Invisalign. <sighs> the mouth sounds. 
on this album have made it impossible for me to listen to in full until this week. And even then, I couldn't enjoy it at its full at its full potential because I had to mess with the EQ so the mouth sounds wouldn't be so pronounced and that I could actually listen to it. So What headphones do you have? Like I didn't hear any of these mouth sounds. Oh, oh my god. Like like except, like except for the obvious first track, like like I didn't oh. really hear any like cuz like every time that I think about like mouth sounds, I think of this one like post that I saw on, I think, Tumblr, where it was, like, the guy who made uh, Control-Alt-Delete, like, Tim Buckley or whatever, uh, like, guest starred oh. on some animated show, not, like, a like 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 a web series or something like that, and, like, the uh. entire time, you can hear his mic, like, you can just oh, hear no. that happening. Like, it was, like, his mouth yep. was very clearly dry the day of recording, and, yeah. like, and, like, that's the, like, that's what I think of, like, whenever I think of, like, those types of mouth sounds, um... Oh. I think of a my first kiss with a little like this. Oh no! See, I'm fine with that song. <laughs> that's the song that's you're fine with. Me. Yeah, that song <laughs> doesn't annoy you. Not not in the misphonia way of the mouth sound noise per se. I'm not going to go to it as my you know as my first round draft pick of exactly what mm. I want to hear at that exact moment. But in that regard, so when you for when you start the album. With the sound of someone taking their Invisalign out. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, you've set the stage, Billy. That's fine. You're lucky <laughs> that I like everything else about this album that I'm willing to overlook that. But seriously, though, like, it, it's always a problem with me. So even on tracks where it's not as noticeable, it's still noticeable to me. And that makes it hard to listen to. But I'm, I'm bad guy. There's certain points. But it's worse on other ones later, but I don't remember which ones. But that's really not important because that's not an experience most people are going to have, fortunately. I mean, I feel, I get the strange feeling this is going to be mostly positive talking. So, I, you know, if we do want to get our, our negatives out of the way now, yeah, you can say that. And my uh, only negative I can immediately think of is like on Zanny where like, where the verse, I think it's like the verses parts, has this vibrating feel to it that I know is purposeful, but reminds me of like busted old vibrating speakers in the back of like my mom's car, and I can't divorce like that rattling sound. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, no, that, uh, that uh, okay, okay, honestly, 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 kind of goes hard. Kind of goes hard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of goes hard. Okay, so like, like, remember when I said earlier, like the Willie Crooks 808? Have either of you listened to Willie Crooks? No. Crips? No. Okay, so so he's this uh like rapper that I'm like uh that I'm like friends with that I got introduced through like a bunch of mutual friends and uh he's mm. been kind of like like it's funny cuz he's not hyperpop at all but he's known through like a lot of hyperpop circles like I found out oh. about him like through like the hyperpop like click that I was kind of indoctrinated into. Uh, <laughs> and and like he has this very specific mastering uh technique where he like he'll essentially do like what uh like that vibrating sort of like blown out speaker vibe like throughout the entire fucking song but because of it's like i think it's kind of the reason that like like he hasn't like completely blown up yet because like honestly i he's one of my favorite artists like period uh like from the past like 10 years or so genuinely like if you listen to hands specifically which is off of his flowers mixtape great mixtape by the way highly recommend he uses that sort of like <laughs> sort of like yeah. bass throughout, throughout <laughs> like the like out. 
Yeah, it's like it's like an absolutely blown out bass, and uh, and it sounds like like he's really fucking good at mixing it too. So it's like it vibrates, but it's like not harsh. Uh, like 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 some people mm. didn't like the outro of uh, Charlie XCX's click because that was kind of harsh oh, because right. it's just like because it's like eh, 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 like like the the tremolo is so fucking fast that it kind of like like it kind of like pops a little bit. Um, yeah. Like he knows he knows Willie Crooks knows how to mix that type of stuff really well uh, to make it sound like it's not that harsh, but it's still like going as mm. harsh as possible. It's abrasive, yeah, 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 and like. Like honestly, like the new, like the new sort of sound of like, like let's make this song sound like you're listening to it on the best worst speakers possible. Genuinely, such an interesting sound because that like, like so much of pop and like, like arguably like popular hip hop, uh, at least nowadays, is so much polish and so much like, like so much like perfectiveness and. And like, like, there's a bit of a sloppiness to when we all fall asleep. Where do we go? That like, like, not sloppy in terms of like the actual like composition of the songs because the songs are very tight and like I don't think that a lot of these songs have like a lot of swing or like pocket to them. Uh, but it, but it's fine because that like the production is just like it's almost sludgy, and um, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to know like what you guys think is your favorite track off of this album and what's your least favorite track if if i gotta say going in um just as a outside of the album bad guy is still a very strong favorite of mine but besides that one i would probably have to say either bury a friend or i love you as far as my favorites yeah and my least favorite one would be my strange addiction I have a beef with My Strange Addiction because that it overutilized the office sample. She's rich yeah. enough to like, to like yeah. use like two out of the 16 samples that she picked from that episode. We all loved the office at one point. We all right. watched it. There was a point in time. It was a cultural phenomenon. I'm not going to deny that. And the Threat Level Midnight episode was probably the last good one, but there's no reason. <laughs> to sample it as much as she did. If you did it once or twice, I would have been fine with it. But it really does hurt the song overall. Like, it interrupts it to a point that it really does hurt it. There's one or two points where it feels like it fits. Like, I feel like at the tail end, like, the yeah that someone does, like, fits right on the beat. But throughout the song, I keep going, like, why is... Why is this part happening? <laughs> yeah, so the intro, so the intro is like uh, Michael Scarn's character saying, "No, Billy, I haven't done that dance since my wife died." And then uh, Ed Helm saying, "There's a whole crowd of people out there who need to learn how to do the Scarn." This would have been a yeah. perfectly fine intro if, right. if, 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 if instead of sampling <laughs> random pieces of dialogue from that same episode, she sampled the Scarn itself, which is the same tempo and, like, key oh. that the, the actual song is. She could have had, like, buried in the mix, just like, like, make new friends, try some yet. That's how you do the Scarn. And that would have been great. Oh it, would have been, like, this, it would have been such a good texture to add to the album. And then, like, if she just was, like, that... That and then the outro, which is, did you like it? Did you like that? Um, which part? Um, like <laughs> that would have been perfectly fine. The intro threw me off because doesn't it happen right after the song, right before it? Like she ends on something that's very like, 
oh wow, I gotta think about what you just said. And then the very next thing is that quote. It was like, wait, what's happening now? Like wait, the last on, let, thing- me, let me look at the the track before it is eight. And uh, yeah. The, yeah. the last the last line is the chorus. Uh, so I think I better go. I never really know how to please you. You're looking at me like I'm see-through. I guess I'm going to go. I just never know how you feel. Do you even feel anything? And yes. then it goes into the office, uh, like, <laughs> sample. There's this thing that the album does, which is its strength and where it, like, kind of falters, which is perfectly exemplified in what the first and the last tracks are. The first track mm. is, like, is like the Invisalign track where she's taking on her Invisalign and then she laughs and it's cut off by the intro to bad guy. The outro to the track is her saying pretty much the most serious lines from the past like 12 songs or so. And and like the thing about it is that like when you compare the two, if you played, if you met, if you had a playlist that was just straight up from the first track to the last track, as opposed to like the first track, to the last track it would be a huge like tonal shift but the fact that like like it goes into bury a friend and then like 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 the whole run through from bury a friend to i love you is like pretty serious tonally and like Mm -hmm. like i think if she had just i i genuinely think that the only reason that like my strange addiction is like on the b side of the album as opposed to being on the A side of the album, which would make a lot more sense, personally, mm-hmm. uh, is because that the eighth track is named Eight, which she could have put. Right. When the par- <laughs> she could have put. She could have switched when the party's over with my strange addiction, and it probably would have been pretty damn like like it probably would have been a little bit better because that like okay. al- album track lists are very very important to me as it should be. Oh yeah, sequencing. So, like, yeah, yeah. Course. Sequencing is so fucking like important in this album specifically, where you have like two different like very different styles of song. If you compare Bad Guy to Listen Before I Go, like that show like the different sides of like the mind of this like edgy Gen Zer, like in like and I say that in the least offensive way possible, keep in mind. But like um she passes off both of those sides very well because of how her voice, her singing voice is, and like her sort of lackadaisicalness, like throughout, like throughout this entire album, like like I said earlier, she was like like repeating riffs. I think at the end of, um, oh yeah, she repeats the bass line of "All the good girls go to hell" at the intro, mm. at the outro, and then oh, yeah, she, and then she. Yeah, because, like, at the end, I, isn't that the song where she's like, like, I cannot do this, snowflake, or whatever? Yeah, what, what was that? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to look up, I, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to see the genie's uh, annotation what, for it. Oh, yeah, okay. While I'm looking it up, I wanted to bring up, because you asked me, you asked uh, what favorite tracks are, and I was, like, having that moment where I was like, wait, what are my favorite tracks? And I was like, I like so much of this. <laughs> and I was like, but what is so good that it's just like, ooh, I could pluck this out and I want to hear that out forever. I got to say, eight is incredible to me. The way it starts with, it has their, you know, uh, affected, pitched up vocals and playing with a ukulele instead of a normal guitar. So it already sounds like we're in this higher register than we normally are, you know? And then the emotion that's in some of these lyrics, like, it almost made me just react with tears from just hearing it. Like, the way she says, you said don't treat me badly, but you said it so sadly. And it was just like, the emotion packed in that one just, like, caught me off guard. It was like a... Oh, like, you know, like, you you weren't supposed to make me just, like, really feel that. You know what I mean? It was one of the weaker ones, in my in, in my opinion. Oh, really? No, I, I thought the vulnerability and, like, the shakiness in it was what made it so, like, engaging for me. Uh, I, I put uh, eight. Um, let me see. 
What was the other one? Uh, listen before I go, purely because of like just how light it was, and then you hear like the rumbling lightning right before like certain parts that just like cuts off right as the one drops. Like that was just so cool as it was happening, and uh, I think. I love you. I think I love that one purely because, like, I was thinking purely on that level of, like, okay, if you have a song called I Love You, like, that's the most generic thing you can name a song. You better make me feel that this is about love. And then I heard it, it as, like, yeah, no, you made me feel that this is about love. <laughs> you know? When you hear the rising action and crescendo on the chorus when Judy says, the, I love you, and it's just like, ooh, I felt that shit, you know? That was the first Billie Eilish song that I ever listened to. I was coming home from... Oh, wow. I think I, think I was yeah. literally, like, I was either coming inside from a studio session uh or i just come came back from like the bar either way i was not sober <laughs> and uh <laughs> and and i come home and my roommate is just like cooking pasta and listening to this album on shuffle for some reason uh but oh uh but i love hmm. you comes on i i think that he didn't notice that it was on shuffle to be honest i think it was his first time <laughs> listening i literally just sat on the couch and just listened to it and i was so I have never been so refreshed by a voice in pop in a long time. And the funny thing is that, like, I... There's a lot of discourse about whether or not Billie Eilish is an industry plant or not. But the thing is, industry plants are normally a lot more generic and boring and... That's what I'm saying, right? Like, <laughs> like if she's an industry plant, she's doing a damn good job. Of yeah, it. like, like still be an like, artist about it, though, you know? Yeah, like, I'm like, like, okay, yeah, you had rich parents. I, it's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> but what are you gonna do about that? You know, if you got the yeah. music, you got the music. As much as it's been talked to death, I wouldn't even want to bring the trio that shall not be named into the discussion of industry plants <laughs> this week. Cause, uh, I will say, I will say that, like, out of all these songs, the most, like, the most uh, Tramp Stamps-esque song on here is Wish You Were Gay. <laughs> I forgot. Okay, like, yeah. This for oh, goddammit. <laughs> That's a thing where I tweeted about, and I'm realizing this because I'm, re I'm relatively new to TikTok. I've only been on TikTok for a few months now. But up until now, TikTok, uh, Twitter has been my go-to. And the inside joke on Twitter is... Um, things you see on Twitter will make it to Facebook in, like, a few months. And the joke now is things on TikTok will make it to Twitter in, like, a month or two. <laughs> right. So I was inundated. Every three posts was about tramp stamps. Every, everyone's talking about tramp stamps. So He's then so annoying! My followers are like, what the hell are you talking about? Who is this group? And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, well, here's Fantano's video. He goes into it a good bit. Here's everything you need to know. And they're like, oh, okay. And now, by the time we're talking about it now, I think they've already been chased off Tumblr and TikTok, so it probably won't even be a discourse by next week. But this shit moves, if you, man. <laughs> but if you mention industry plants, yeah, Billy does come into that discussion. And with, uh, with Wish You Were Gay, I only heard oh. the song once or twice before actually sitting down uh, and listening to it for the for the album review, it's definitely on my lower side of the ratings. Yeah, okay, I wanted to ask y'all about that. I still appreciated it. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. So, so my opinion on Wish You Were Gay is as follows. Okay. If the bridge were completely gone, this would read mm. more like, um, this would read more like Billy pining for a woman who is not that's gay. That's exact, yes. Without the bridge, that's what it reads. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of like, oh, I'm feel and the way they add little, like, 
sound effects and stuff like that, like, oh, and things like that. It kind of like pulls into the emotion of like, I, you know, I'm saying this thing that feels kind of out there and maybe, you know, we don't normally, pop songs aren't normally about like being gay and stuff. So I feel yeah. a little like coy about releasing it. But yeah, like you said, when you get that verse in the middle where it's just like, wait, this is yeah. about a guy that she wishes were gay so she wouldn't feel so bad about the fact that he's rejecting her. It's like, uh, it's it's okay, a little, okay. it's like, <laughs> like she admits in like several interviews that like, first of all, I'm going to give her a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. First of all, she was like a kid when she wrote this. So it's true, like, I, I don't, I get why she would do this because that, like, she, she admits, shit, right? she like... admits <laughs> in like several interviews that like, she was like, she said, quote, it's a selfish song. It's a goofy, selfish joke. Mm -hmm. And like, I totally understand that. And like the funnier part about it is actually the guy that she wrote this about ended up being gay so fucking Nostradamus oh no over here <laughs> she fucking called it Nostradamus uh, <laughs> the thing that really makes me mad about this song is just how good the rest of it is because yeah like so so there's there's several I just want to read the verse just by itself to you and mm -hmm. I want you to like like the first verse, baby, I don't feel so good. Six words you never understood. I'll never let you go. Five words you'll never say. I laugh along like nothing wrong. Four days have never felt so long. If three's a crowd and two of was us, one slipped away. This is like this is like one of those things in like this is one of those moments in songwriting that I was genuinely like like this is such a simplistic like 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 it it, it reminded me of like I love the trope in pop music where people will count down like like we be making love at six, <laughs> you know, like like yeah. one you know, repeat steps one two three. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> that Brian McKnight joke? Yeah. yeah, like countdown by Beyonce does it. This song does it. I fucking love that trope. And who who is the other one? It it, it wasn't all American rejects. No, uh, wasn't it plain white tees? One two three. Oh wait, no, that's. Feist that's that's uh, feist. <laughs> yeah, that's feist. I think either it was plain white tees who did the uh, four words to uh, I love you. What was that song? Was it plain white tees? Uh, are you sure that you're? Are you sure it's the plain white tees? I don't remember this at all. I just realized that like she does the same thing in the second verse. She still counts down in the second verse, but she starts from twelve and then goes yeah, to six. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, I did not six. notice that. I literally noticed like the first verse. So like 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 every time I listen to this song, I notice the first verse and I like laud the first verse, but I never noticed the second verse until now. Twelve step, eleven haze. Ten fingers, nine times, eight alone and seven, you were six minutes away. What? Yeah, I, li I literally fuck? just noticed that as you were pointing it out, uh, what was happening in the first person. I was just like, oh, hey, you know, when you look down here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would say, I'd say Wish You Were Gay is definitely on the lower tier of the songs, not because of the overall quality of it, but because that it had so much fucking potential and it was squandered by kind of like, it feels like a weird, cheeky thing to flip because originally it, you can so tell that it feels like it's supposed to be about another girl, you know? And so to have it be like, oh, but you thought it was... Like, you know, there are songwriting tricks where people are like, oh, you wrote this song and I thought it was about this, but when you listen back, it's about this. But for the flip to be, it's actually about a dude, like most pop songs that are, you know, heteronormative or about... It just feels like, oh. 
<laughs> you know, like, yeah. By the way, in case anyone was wondering, the song was called 1234. It was off Plain YT's album Big Bad World that came out in 2008, categorized by Google as punk and rock. I'm so glad I found you. I love being around you. You make it so easy. It's easy as one, two, one, two, three, four. There's only one thing to do three words for you. I love you. <laughs> Not as good. A little clunky, sure. Yeah. It was 2008. It was a different time. Punk rock is a more forgiving genre, I guess. But... <laughs> How's that one talking about? I'm a dick. I'm a dick, dude. Did you? Oh, I, I thought you were going to say, I'd rather die. Than... <laughs> I kind of want to like, okay, so we talked a little bit about uh, the intro track. We talked about Bad Guy. We talked about Zanny. Uh, <laughs> what about You Should See Me in a Crown? What did, what did y'all think that of that one? one? That one like was, the, was the most Lord-like, I felt, because that one would, sounded Ooh. the most like a, uh, you know, shaking things up pop song would have a lot of fuzz in it, but like, it still sounds like an actual, like, this is for the radio kind of bop with how it sounds like, you know, arrogant. Like, it sounds like that royals like the lyrics in royals you know what i'm saying it kind of like, reminds fucking... me of tennis courts like it kind of reminds me of tennis yeah, courts. Oh, yeah. So you're I see, right you're I right see that. the fucking razor scratching i love that oh yeah i love the addition of that <laughs> yeah and like there's a lot of good like i feel like um using sound effects like very obvious sound effects as opposed to like sampling it and making it into it like a snare or something like that like that's clever too but i find mm-hmm. that like if you can successfully put an unedited otherwise like sample of just a sound effect in a song she does this absolutely absolutely like like her and phineas do this like throughout the album really well she does it in um bury a friend like you hear the stapler sound when she says staple your tongue and like oh Oh, yeah and in i love you you can hear like the sound of like the terminal like 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 the plane just like like describing like the like emergency evacuation thing and listen before i go you can hear like oh god yeah. Like a yeah. New York, Things... like a New York City ambulance or some shit like that. Ooh, fuck. Yeah. There, there's sound effects that pull you into the moment of the reality of where she is in the song. And yeah. that's what I really love that how it's being used. You know what I'm saying? I don't think Phineas gets nearly enough credit, by the way, in the, in the discussion of Billy and the songs overall. Like, I'm sure he gets mentioned, but I feel like they almost sometimes, at least with this album, deserve almost like co-billing like it feels it feels almost like just this is a Billie Eilish record I, I almost don't feel like that's fair like the I production think is, is such a yeah the production yeah, is it's such as a, important it's a character unto itself right in the same way like yeah. DJ Premier yeah. and Gangstar doing a, an album together it's like okay but he's like you can't just say oh it's just like guru though it's like no no but you hear the production by DJ Premier that like yeah. feels like a character like you said unto itself um, yeah. It's like Danger I was, Mouse. I was, I was, oh yeah, I was thinking about like, so, you know, we said earlier, tracks that we like, and then I was trying to think of like, tracks that we don't like as much, and the only time, like, because I like so much of this as just like a solid ass groove, the only time I can think of like, things that I don't like, or when it's just like, things just either don't stick out to me as much, or like I said, the little rattling feeling in that one song where it's just like, I like this song <laughs> overall, and everything right after that sounds fucking heavenly, but it's just like that little, and it's like, uh, I'm not, I can't go back to that car, you know? <laughs> and, wait, wait, and, what, what, uh, what song is this? Oh, I was just talking about uh, Zanny and the bit of rattling. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, again, yeah, yeah. I understand the importance of it, and it's like, 
it's a cool tool when, like, when I think about how it's being used, but like just from an aesthetic pleasing level, you know what I'm saying? It just kind of gets to me. Yeah. But it's it's that track I felt like slightly less purely because of how it affected me. And yeah. I would say maybe the last track, Goodbye, just because mm. it didn't things didn't stick out to me as what was happening. Like there was so much, you know, uh, orchestral, I mean, not even orchestral, but just theatrical musicality throughout the album that this song, last song, not doing as much and kind of feeling just sort of down tempo was just kind of like, eh, then we could have just ended the last song. And, you know, they brought up, like, certain lyrics from earlier being mentioned, like, at the tail end, the last thing she says, which actually did kind of, like, perk my ears up a bit right before it ended, and on my Spotify, it starts playing, like, similar things that you might like to Uh this. So I started hearing songs off of Adventure Time, which felt appropriate. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I hate that feature, by the way. I think that's Spotify's worst feature. (laughs) I just I disable that as soon as I can. I hate that. I'm sure you want to hear this, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, like, the way it ended where you hear her say, like I'm the bad guy Mm. where it's like it's a bit of like it feels like she's contemplating this character that she has made for herself you know this personality that she's put herself in and like there's already the sort of looking back and like you know analyzing herself you know what I mean that you can just kind of feel in those lyrics that she's going like Huh, was that was it a good idea to be this type of person, you know? Like yeah. it's just if so it was interesting. More of a true narrative, I think that would have worked better. Overall, yeah. I think the idea in Goodbye is better than the actual execution. Like halfway through I realized, oh, I've heard these lines before, and then I looked it up, oh okay, they're one line each from all the previous tracks, and I'm like, okay, I like that as an idea. Right. But yeah, it's definitely not like especially with how much I liked I Love You. I would have been fine if that was the last track. But if you're I going I feel for... like... Okay, so honest... Oh, sorry for interrupting you. Uh, say, oh, no, say no, what you're good. I was, uh, I was just going to read what, what Billy said. Um, I don't like when albums end. I just like when a song ends an album and there's nothing... And nothing feels like it's actually over. I really wanted to... I wanted something to feel like a finish line, uh, to feel like a period at the end. So the idea was to have the please don't leave me uh, uh, um, please don't leave me be right at the beginning and then basically the rest of the song is uh, every single song on the album starting from the bottom to the top and then wanting to get to the top um, it just kind of dies down and it feels like a like it's a goodbye it's almost like an R.I.P. like yeah. this is the abs- like this is the period this is the punctuation at the end of the album and I don't know for me if it really worked like that for me the intro to goodbye, like the please, please don't leave me be, like the like mm. the harmonies reminded me a lot of because by the Beatles. Um, yeah, okay. Like, like that's that's the part that really stuck out to me, and I think that if instead, like she reprised one or two choruses from like just yeah. one or two songs and just sang that chorus, but like with this slow droning instrumental in order to like finish out the album, I feel like that would have been a lot stronger, but. Um, that's it it because that the lyrics she's choosing are mostly based on the melody as opposed to the lyrics it doesn't feel cohesive it doesn't feel like a cohesive ending yeah. and it could have been so much better like like so much better of a of an outro track it's clever but i feel like if you're looking for something that excuse me if you're looking for something that does a similar thing, honestly, the thing that I was thinking of was uh, Kendrick Lamar's fear, where he starts like 
listing off all the previous tracks of the album, uh, like, in his verse, like, his third verse, I think. Uh, that's the closest thing that I can think of, but, like, it's just, it just falls flat, and it makes it feel like, like, um, it doesn't feel, like, as important of an outro that it could have been. As much as I like I Love You, I just don't think that it would have made for the best outro track. It's the one-two punch for me. Like, it probably wouldn't have worked as the best outro cut, but as strong of a cut following the... I was so fucking affected by the ambulance and crowd noises at the end of Listen Before I Go that are just cut off abruptly. Like, you don't really hear... Like, you hear songs ended... Like, that sharp, but that it was the sounds just cut off like that. Like, I was seriously like, oof. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then to go into I Love You with such a strong cut is like, after a, after feeling that strong into a song I enjoyed that much, I would have been pleased as punch if that was the fucking, and like, well, you're not going to top that. That's as good as it's going to get. Even if it's not an album closing track. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, if I were making this album, I would cut Goodbye or just rewrite it, and then I would switch Listen Before I Go and I Love You, and then, you know, I already discussed what I do with My Strange Addiction, but, like, that, I think Listen Before I Go as the outro would have been perfect, because that's already a Goodbye track, but in the most tragic way. It does what Goodbye kind of, like, was trying to do emotionally, which is just, like, tie up the album and, like, like, add to the character that is... Billie Eilish's music persona, but it just like it ends so like it ends so perfectly that I almost like like wish it were the last track. Listen before I go. By the way, probably um, like that and all the good girls go to hell. Oh fuck! And when the party's over, shit. We haven't talked about like my literal three favorite tracks on this, and like we have skipped over that one. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, we yeah. didn't talk about that one really. All yeah, the good yeah. girls go to hell. That one. Oh yes. Uh, and and, oh, and when the party's fucking... over, we didn't really talk about that one either. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a part in all the good girls go to hell. The second verse is so fucking good. So like, um, like first of all, look at you needing me. You know I'm not your friend without some greenery. Just clever. Uh, and then <laughs> and then and then walking wearing fetters, and the music cuts out, and then she just says, "Peter should know better." It's mm. so mm. effective. That was so effective. And then when she speaks oh. the phrase, man is such a fool, why are we yes. saving him? <laughs> that was the part. Verse two of All the Good Girls Go to Hell is probably like a top five moment of this album. It, like if you could do a pop version of a hip hop quotable, like this verse would be it. <laughs> that entire fucking verse. Yeah, it's, it's... It's not a directly sexual album. You're right. It's a lot more of a emotionally charged album than, than sexual, but I do have to say on Bad Guy, the the second verse has like a very specific and of course it's the tongue in cheek with how like the second half of the verse is addressing how It's so hard like trying to like talk about this without like sounding creepy because it like I'm not trying because it's like it's hard to be like it's hard to be like yeah she's being sensual without being like yeah she's like trying to be like a tease or anything but like I think the thing is that like in Bad Guy the best way to describe it is the line might seduce your dad type she doesn't say that she's gonna bang the dad she just says that she's gonna seduce him and like I think she like the the entire character of like bad guy Billie Eilish is that like she is very much like like she's 
she's a manipulator for her own kicks. I was thinking in like a brat way, like in a Bart Simpson way, like a brat, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just like a general tr trouble causer. If Bart Simpson were a girl, that's who Billie right. Eilish would be. Right. Oh my God, we gotta get her an episode of The Simpsons. Oh my God. <laughs> I wouldn't actually mind that. Like, okay, so I found the song. I just posted it in, um, I just posted it in the um, Come On Closer by Jem. Uh, if, it, if those of you listening at home, look up Come On Closer <laughs> by Jem. Also, this whole album, Finally Woken, really fucking good. Uh, just scroll to like one minute in and like listen to how similar to all... All the good girls go to hell it, like okay. it is. Oh, I get Yeah, I get what you're saying. Same yeah. key, same vibe. It reminds me a lot of this sort of like... like it remi yeah, yeah, like like late 90s, early 2000s bounce to it. Like it's got that... You know? Like sort of like uh, maybe something produced by um, Timbaland or something like that for Jay-Z, you know, to do his bouncy flow over or something, you know? It does have like a Timbaland influence to it. Like it's... It's just it's just so impressive of a song. I had no idea that When the Party's Over was the second single. Me either. I saw that too. I actually highlighted that because I was like, I never heard that on the radio once. It's a very radio unfriendly song. It reminds me of like, you know, do you ever listen to like the like 90s throwback station and then all of a sudden they'll play the acapella, the acapella version of like, like, and I'll make sure that the lady's just a friend. Oh, yes, of course. Like, it's always like such a tonal shift from everything else that like it's it's such a great song, but it's just an acapella track that like kind of like takes you off guard from like the rest it's of the hard. poppiness surrounding it. Yeah, it's hard to put it in the mix because it's like there's no music underneath it. Yeah. It's just like, I'm just imagining just like, all right, that was Baby on Baby. Now here's Win the Party's Over by Billie Eilish. Pew, pew, pew. Don't you. <laughs> New shit, hot shit. <laughs> DJ, run that shit back. <laughs> Damn, son, where'd you find this? <laughs> the fact that it goes from... Wish you were gay to win the party is over, and then it goes into eight. Mm. Uh, eight is the one with the is eight the one with the ukulele? Yeah, it is the one with the ukulele. Like the transition between wish you were gay and when the party's over is a little bit clunky, admittedly. But the transition between when the party's over and eight is kind of perfect because like it kind of like like the whole when the party's over sort of thing is like oh god, I don't even know what to say for this. Hi. Um, hold on. What's what what's up? When the party's over, yeah, we're talking about uh, I know what you're the Billie Eilish album. Yeah, I love that. Album. Yeah, okay. Do you do you, do you want my uh, girlfriend's roommate to uh, uh, yeah, guest sure. star for a real quick thought? You want my um, hot take on this? Yeah, here, here. Yeah, uh, this this is Hannah. Hi. Everybody. Oh no, I'm gonna sing. Yeah. Here, <laughs> um, here. <laughs> you're on now. <laughs> just 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 say your general thoughts on the album. Just like no, it's just that song. Yeah. Okay, so do you, have you listened to this album? Oh yeah. Okay, what what is your favorite track? Um, yeah, let me let me scroll down to the track list. Uh, yeah, the last two are from the Japanese import, so you can ignore those. There's two very distinct personalities on this album, and one of them is like dirty party girl, and one of them is like really sad. Yeah, and it has. That's why it's like a good bedroom pop album. Yeah, but oh god. But anyway, um, what was the song? The that we're just talking about. The last two are from the Japanese import, so ignore those. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. Yeah. No, what was the song you were just talking about? Uh, when the party's over. Yes, that's, that's your a favorite song about her to her mom. I think. What? 
Hold on. Let me let me let me look at this. Mom. Uh-huh. Uh I wrote down and drew everything. Uh, let's see. It's like her and her brother talking about their parents. What? I think. Hold on. Well, she she mentions um she mentioned I looked up mom. I just like word searched mom on this uh genius annotations page and then um um like <laughs> I wrote down and drew everything. I took a chair and a small table to my backyard and had my mom pretend to be me so I could film exactly yeah, how I wanted the video to look. I feel okay, you know, now that you're saying it, like look at the lyrics. Okay, let's see. Um what what what's the lyric that really like sticks out to you as being about like this part coming Quiet when I'm coming home and I'm on my own and you and I could lie say I like it like that like it like that yeah it's like her parents are kind of abandoning her she's home alone all the time her brother and her just make music all the time shit sad shit I have I had not read this track like that at all right because it kind of sounds like on first less on first listen it's like the one night stand kind of vibes. Oh, but, oh my God! Call then, me friend, but keep me closer. Call me back, and I'll call you when the party's over. Yeah, like this is making up. so much more sense. That Jesus Christ! Family dynamics. In Family dynamics. Eilish album. Hannah, Don't everybody. Make a record with your brother and have it not be about your parents. Oh, thank you so yeah. much for that insight. I never hey, would have picked up way. on that. Well, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay, so I just had the moment where I realized I remembered what the melody was that was making my brain, and it was Ilo Milo. Thank you, Muse. Uh, so, because I, I was going in the in in the melody, you hear do 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 do, and I was like da 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 da, like what is that? What is my brain thinking? And I would go like da 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 da, keep singing it, keep singing it, and then I went like, and then the lyric came out. I said, "Never thought I'd die alone." I forget. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god, Adam's song. <laughs> wow. That's what I was thinking of. I fucking love that song. <laughs> Here's a question, because the album begins with, in my opinion, what starts out with a side of Billy that doesn't really come back on this album. Like, it basically gets it out of the way almost like like when we like when we reviewed the um uh, Space Oddity, David Bowie album, a while back. And that was like, the record label was like, hey, well, you know, you gotta put that Smash single out on there. And it was like, okay, cool, yeah, here's the Spacey out there song that, you know, a lot of people are talking about. And then the rest of the album was like, folk stuff, because that's what he was working on. Um, so it was like, yeah, yeah, we don't really come back to that. It's just a little glimpse of that. Um, I think I'm picking up on that now, because I was just thinking, we were talking about how you know, sad and insightful this album is and how many, how, how many different places it goes. And my mind immediately went to what is out now, the fucking, um, uh, I think therefore I am. And it's so different than what this album is like, but in tone, like when y'all were talking about just like the bratty stick in the tongue out kind of teasing, that's kind of the vibe this new ish single has. So I'm wondering is the next album going to be a lot like this one where it's just, yeah, that was the tone of that single, but the rest of the album is going to be, you know, a little bit more dark maybe, or if the whole album is going to be more of this pop centric, um, 
dealing with fame. You know, you always get that on the sophomore yeah, album. Course. Is always of like the, dealing with fame. Yeah, <laughs> uh, here's here here's the things I wasn't quite ready for, and here's how my life is different now. And it's probably going to be a good bit of that. But I mean, wasn't that her latest thing? All I ever wanted. <laughs> I admittedly, I admittedly haven't listened to Billie Eilish's last two singles, Therefore I Am and uh, All I Ever Wanted. Like, I, I've only heard the clips that were, like, popular on TikTok. And, like, um, admittedly, the reason that I, like, haven't really listened to them is just because that, like, when we all fall asleep, it's just, it's, if I want that sound, I'll just go to that album. Like, mm. <laughs> uh it's such a I, sad, I honestly a feel like, unto itself with what it's doing, yeah. Considering that, like, there was that Billie Eilish interview that, like, people were making fun of, like, about, like, what, six months into the pandemic or a little bit less, where it was like, Billie Eilish has written one song since the pandemic started, and, like, people were like, oh, yeah, well, I did this and this and that, and, like, whatever, whatever. But, like, uh, but, like, I genuinely feel as if, like, that sort of vibe of, um, where, where it's like, um, I, I genuinely feel like this is just like a standalone single. Therefore I am probably the same with all I ever wanted. Um, I don't really see it attaching to an album. I could be wrong, but if I'm, but if I'm wrong, I am interested to see what the rest of the album sounds like. Cause if she, cause, cause the thing is that like when we all fall asleep sounds pretty different from um from her first mixtape like the i don't remember the name of it the, the yellow one with the ladder uh the one that vince staples has a verse on don't smile at me the first song really doesn't sound like it fits in with what everything else sounds like it with the you know musical ticks and what they do but yeah you're so right there is no song where like you know it's high energy and then Boom, there's like a cutoff and then like the last 30 seconds there's something completely different that feels like even like its own sort of like mini song but its own sort of weird energy. Like it doesn't do that for the rest of the album. Going back to the first track of this album, uh, the exclamation points with the Invisalign, I think that, um, I think that the thing that really is cool about that song is that like, it's the only, like, I th who mentioned that it was like a different character than the rest of the album like the bratty persona that billy has in bad guy you know the whole like oh she's she's so scared of me hmm i don't see what she sees but maybe it's because i'm wearing like that whole <laughs> kind of teasy tongue-in-cheek that's yeah. just kind of gone after that like you don't really hear that too much I mean, after that maybe in um what track am i thinking of all all good girls uh, all bad girls go to hell all maybe the good that girls go to hell bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, you should see me in a crown is also very much like, like the thing about Billie Eilish, like the two sides of Billie Eilish uh, on this album specifically is um, like a violent manipulator and I find it fun or I am like extremely depressed or feeling tortured or just like completely like isolated in the place that I am. And the thing about making an album in which you present yourself as the literal bad guy of the album, it's really hard to make yourself the anti-hero in an album and not seem like an absolute jackass. And she fucking does it. And whether it's because of, and whether it's because like, I think it's genuinely because of like how old she was when she came out with this album, because that like, like, um, I was uh, I was watching the uh, like uh, Todd in the Shadows uh, review of that guy. He makes a really good point that like or no, it was like his like top ten of 2019, I think. And he makes the really good point that like like 
I'm the bad guy, duh, is the perfect way to introduce that character because that it's such like a it's such like a like a mean teenagerly thing to say. Uh, it sounds like you just like smacked someone's hat off the back of their head as you said it. Duh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like. it feels like the um, siren or a succubus, but a lot more playful and a lot more innocent. But like also like still like terrifying if like you fuck with this character. Have you ever seen uh, the the melancholy of ha- Haru? Has uh, it's an anime where it's like. This girl is like just messing around, and you know she just seems like Haruhi some girl Suzumiya? who's just causing trouble. Yes, yes, and then you kind of find out. Oh wait, she might actually be like a god that can control everything and do awful things. And yeah. so like, like it's that sort of energy. Is like there's this person who seems like very powerful, yeah. but they are also very sad, and you know they're yeah. still figuring things out. You know, and yeah. you're getting the rawness of that with this album. The rest of the like, I am painting myself as a villain, sort of like motifs of the album are very much like like i'm a fucking villain and uh wish you were gay is just like i'm being a little bit petty because the guy doesn't like me and it feels like it falls flat comparatively and i didn't realize that was the problem with it until i was like thinking about like the the characters that billy the character kind of that billy eilish plays it's a very fleshed out character but wish you were gay just falls flat because of how out of character it is uh to like be that like it feels like it would either have to be a flashback or a completely different character like at least with all the good girls go to hell even if it's in the perspective of the devil the devil is like this like like if it's if, even if it's like in the portrayal of like this like devil beelzebub judas you know keywords that uh christians hate uh but like like if even if it's in the perspective of a specific different character the perspective is like like it's there because that like well i don't know this but like it feels like it's there to provide just like like um like almost as a way to compare the two like to compare like billy eilish's like darkest side that she feels like she has and the devil himself like the thing is i love you is another song about like not being able to access this romantic side of you sure because that like it's just not working out for whatever reason but the reason that i wish you're gay it doesn't like match as well as i love you is because of the tones that they provide and my strange addiction even like which is like a much more fun song than i love you and is like trying to match the funness of wish you were gay um like my strange addiction works mostly minus the office clips uh because that like because that the perspective that she's providing is like i am addicted to this person and um like like it's genuinely becoming like a like a problem and like i am not minding it i am just going to let myself sink into the madness whereas wish you were gay is just like can you be gay? Like, it doesn't, like, make sense to me as much being in the album as, like, My Strange Addiction or I Love You do- Go. I didn't mind it as a track, honestly. Like, in any other context, it probably would have done better. But surrounded by the songs that it is and on this album, yeah, it feels completely out of left field. Like, I couldn't help but be reminded of... um fucking Katy Perry, the you are so gay and you don't even like boys, like it still felt silly of like this doesn't feel like the Billy I've come to know from even the past few 
songs I've heard, like, this is still unexpected and feels gimmicky, like a bit corny. The best way to describe it is if is if that Katy Perry song were on Taylor Swift's reputation, it would feel about <laughs> the same. Like like the same yeah. like contrast that just doesn't make sense. But um uh before we rip too hard into that song, I, I feel like we I feel like we've kicked it while it's down a little bit. I want to talk <laughs> a little bit about Bury a Friend, because that's like the first mm. single and we have barely talked about it. When we made Bury a Friend, the whole album clicked in my head. I immediately knew what it was going to be about, what the visuals were going to be, and how everything, and everything in terms of how I wanted it to be perceived. It inspired what the album is about. Bury a Friend is literally from the perspective of the monster under my bed. So I find it interesting that, like, she is, like, like, because the thing is that, like, they're, like, look at the cover of the album. Like, do me a favor. Go, just, just stare at the cover of the album. She clearly looks like she is not the victim of the monster under the bed, but rather she is one with it. Uh, like, and like, not to sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything, but like, but like, <laughs> like, I feel like uh, "Bury a Friend" is such an effective song for what it is doing because that, like, because of, because of like how. Like, even though that it is from the perspective of another character, it's still Billy. And that's sort of, like, what her aesthetic sort of is. I would be really interested to, like, find out, like, like what uh, her second album is going to present herself as, as a character. Because that, like, honestly, I feel like, I feel like, uh, like, being, like, a teenager in the industry and then, like, making this whole album that presents you as, like, this, like, like, this monstrous, like, manipulative, like, bastard who kind of laughs it off and, like, will, like, and, and, like, makes several comparisons to, like, monsters and devils and and shit like that. I find it, I would find it really interesting if, like, like, now that, like, Billy has reached adulthood and is, like, probably working on the album now, I find it, I would find it really interesting if she, like, kind of, like, took the, um, route that I think she was trying to take with, um, with, uh, like, Wish You Were Gay, which is just, like, I'm the innocent person here. I am the, like, I am the victim of, like, minor inconveniences, and it's still overwhelming. And, like, I, like, I feel like that would be an interesting contrast if she did that, but, uh, either way, Billie Eilish is her own person, so if she wanted to make the album fucking when we all fall asleep too, I wouldn't care, but, uh, like I wouldn't mind, but, but the fact that like, uh, this whole fucking, uh, song, bury a friend is just like, so playfully dark. Like, cause that's the thing. Like, unlike I love you and listen before I go, those songs are just dark. This is playfully dark. And I feel like bury a friend considering that is the first song that she made for this album supposedly it's really like the perfect like like this and uh like 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 this is kind of like the perfect introduction to the character of Billie Eilish in this album and like there is sort of like innocence found in like songs like Zanny where she's literally saying I don't want to fucking do drugs with people uh but like but like regardless like she's she's still like 
she's still like cynical in that song and she's still like jaded in that song and it like works so well and um it, it, it's like the alessia cara breakout single where it was like i'm at the party and everyone's smoking but i'm not but more because like in that one i heard that like it was from literal experience of like seeing friends kind of walking around almost like zombies and being like i don't want to a be like that and I don't like seeing my friends like that. So it comes from, like, it's not just a corny fucking dare anthem. Like, it seriously comes from, like, real-life, like, anxiety and, like, worries about themselves and their friends. So it's, like, it's coming from a real genuine place. Yeah, for real. Uh, I And I feel like Bury a Friend does, like, a really, like, um, like, a really good job of, like, what it's doing in the album. And I think it's, like, the reason why the album is titled after a line in this song. Another thing I forgot to mention about the playfulness of that cut is the other voice, the Billy. Like, oh, I yeah. wish there was more of that. The way it fucking starts you. That, that adds a fun <laughs> little, like, yeah, you were saying, like, the fun darkness. Like, yeah, I like that. I thought it was What's-His-Name from uh, Keith David, you know, <laughs> when I first heard <laughs> Oh, shit. So I looked it up. I looked it up. His, uh, the, the, the person who says all those lines is Mecky Rain, who's, like, a British mm. rapper. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. we're seeing that. Yeah, and like, oh, yeah, like, I didn't know who that was offhand, but yeah, apparently, like, which considering that this is the only time that there are guest vocals in this album, as far as I know, <laughs> or at least prominent yeah. guest vocals that aren't an office sample, I feel like mm. that really speaks to power, like how much this album was influenced by like 2010s hip hop specifically. You know, there's a guest spot on here. But they don't do much, but it's just enough that, like, you remember it, you know? It's not like a, oh, that was, you know, he was in the background somewhere. I couldn't remember what he say. It's like, no, he doesn't have a verse or anything, but just hearing that, like, it just sounds so, it sounds like the fucking Lynch in Adventure Time or some shit, you know what I mean? Like, it just hits you. <laughs> All he says is, Billy, come here, yeah, listen, and then careful. Which is really just, like, a perfect, like, it is the perfect amount of, like, like, they only made him say, what, five words? Yeah. And they're all, and they're all perfect. And it's enough. They're all perfect. It's just yeah. enough. So let's go around the table. Let uh, Nat go first. Um, whatever feels right to you, either a one out of ten or one out of five scale. I think that, like, overall, this album is so fucking strong, but the weak points are so weak and i think that it can be attributed i think that it can be like there's such like a small amount of weak points but the strong parts are so strong but the weak points are so weak that like if the weak points were like less weak but we're still there and like i feel like this would solidly be a nine out of ten mm. but with those weak parts put in i would say it bumps it down to an eight eight point five yeah I, I would say the same, uh, but gra grading a five out of, like, gra grading out of five, I would give it a four and a half, um, because, like I said, those things do, like, feel like little, little needles in the eye, you know what I'm saying? But I, I'm someone who's of the belief that, yeah, if you're doing so much that makes up for it, like, I can forgive it because, yeah, fucking nobody's perfect, right? But, yeah, it is that much noticeable that it's, like, it blemishes it enough that I can't be, like, oh, so solid that you can just go over it. Like, like I said, like, you know, just the outro that feels like it's kind of like nothing happening. And like you said, a couple of points throughout, but you know, it's still solid enough where I would definitely give it right above that four. So like, yeah, four and a half, like 
definitely would still be it's still an experience i i believe is worth you know having despite its its little blemishes so definitely yeah completely agreeing with both of y'all i came out with a pretty much right around a four so probably a little lower than y'all but still pretty close so i would say a solid eight um out of ten i already bought a copy right afterwards so i mean i enjoyed it enough what pressing did it was it vinyl or was it like on mp3 or some shit I have a uh, CD collection, so I bought it on CD. Oh, nice! Uh, what <laughs> I got the uh, the Target exclusive glow in the dark vinyl recently, and I wanted to listen to it. Oh, to, like... oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to literally like listen to that um, that particular pressing, but Target is one of those things where it's like. Where it's like overall, they're not going to have great vinyl pressings or even a great vinyl selection. It's going to be like it's going right. to be like essentially it's essentially going to be like the Bee Gees greatest hits and then the Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> soundtrack and then one album that you genuinely like. Uh, and then, but like when you find the one album that you genuinely like, you snag it because it's normally a pretty good color pressing. I don't know what Target's like, like uh, fucking trying to do, but you know what? I appreciate it when it. Uh, when it uh, ends up working out for me, so... I'm already surprised enough that there even was a Target-exclusive vinyl, because I've I've been in a fucking Bed Bath & Beyond, and they even have, like, a small vinyl, like, section there of, like, oh, six albums on Bed display. Bed Bath & Beyond exclusive tracks. <laughs> I I think I saw fucking Toxicity on display, so I don't even know anymore, man. Toxicity? <laughs> I think. I don't know. Oh, I might yeah. be confusing it. towels? I'm going to get some towels and some aroma candles, you know what you I'm know, saying? You, Let me get you, that fucking... You have, you have <laughs> no, your room humidifier. You have your My room so much bigger than yours! <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine, like, imagine somebody going like, ooh, it's like the Hollywood sign. This might, be, this might be a cool little thing to, like, relax in the bath with. Maybe I'll get my Crosley record, and, like, I'll get my Crosley record player, and I'll have a nice bath. Uh, and just see where this goes, and then, uh... <laughs> then the first thing you hear is, duh, 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 they're trying to build a prison! <laughs> uh, she was never the same again. <laughs> <laughs> they are? Oh my god, I need to find out more! <laughs> <laughs> What's prison? <laughs> What's prison on Wikipedia? <laughs> a concept I, I never had to build more before. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, they do this? <laughs> they want to build a prison for you and me to live in? Specifically? They just run to Facebook oh, as like it's a big conspiracy. Did you hear the building prison for you for you, for you and me to live in? <laughs> Am I the one who heard about this? Well, Nat, Left at London, thank you so much for joining us. Um, are there any parting um, comments or things you would want to mention to, to the listening audience about anything you got going on or anything in general? Any uh, Any parting words? Prepare for the worst, but demand the best. Mm. That's 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 my thought of the day. Wise words from uh from from today's guest, the <laughs> inimitable, unforgettable. You were doing so good. Uh, um, <laughs> we crashed at ninety nine percent. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. We got to do it all over again. Dang it! <laughs> right from Paris. I mean, left. Uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
for going off. Until next time, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic, and... Are we the baddies? <laughs> Duh. And that's how you do the scone!